Okay, this is Free Talk Live. I have no idea if we are on the air right now. We seem to be having some technical difficulties, or the, the network is. Somebody's having some technical difficulties. So, welcome to the program. We're going to presume now it's sounding better. Saturday edition of the show. And tonight, uh, it is Ian here with you. Oh, hang on a second there, Julia. And Julia. Julia is with us as well, uh, sitting in for Mark, who is vacationing down in Florida. Maybe he's listening to us tonight on WFLA down there. I don't know. Uh, But welcome to the program, the show about your calls. You call in about absolutely anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We're going to start things out here uh, with a guest tonight. He is a free market economist and anarcho-capitalist associated with the Austrian school. At least, uh, Dr. Walter Block, that is what Wikipedia says about you. How would you describe yourself? Uh, that's a pretty good description. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, welcome to the program uh, tonight. We basically had you on uh, because of popular demand. Normally don't have guests here on Free Talk Live, but a lot of people were asking for you. And so I finally broke down and decided to uh, to make this happen. So I'm glad you're here. And I've got your book in my hands. Unfortunately, I've never had the chance to read it quite yet. It's in my stack of uh, two reads. But it is just a um, – it is one of those books that you – that is really outrageous looking uh, defending the, un- uh, the defending the undefendable what is this book dr blog well it's really just an attempt to promote the libertarian philosophy and libertarian philosophy is predicated on two basic premises uh, one is the non-aggression axiom uh, the non-aggression axiom just means keep your mitts to yourself. Don't be putting your fingers in your neighbor's pocketbook. Don't be putting your fingers around his throat. Mm-hmm. Um, the second axiom of libertarianism is property rights, because uh, we need property rights, because if you're putting your fingers in your neighbor's pocket, you might be innocent of a crime if he stole stuff from you yesterday and put it in his pocket and you're just returning it to yourself. So we have to have a theory of property rights, which is based on homesteading and voluntary trade. So that's sort of libertarianism in a nutshell. And what I'm doing in this book is defending all sorts of people who are hated, reviled, uh, people are disgusted at them, they're called criminals, but they don't violate the libertarian axioms. And as long as they don't violate the libertarian axioms, uh, what they do is sometimes disgusting, and sometimes I wouldn't want it done to me, or I wouldn't want to engage in it myself, but... My thesis is that it's improper to make criminals of them, like yeah. they might be engaging in victimless crimes, not real crimes. So, I For mean, example, just to give just to give our listeners some uh, some idea of what we're talking about here, uh, you list in the book a number of different uh, types of people that are, are just reviled by many people around the, the country, around the world. I mean, people like uh, prostitutes, pimps, uh, blackmailers. Ticket scalpers and money lenders. Uh, I'm just I'm picking some of these out here. The a slumlord. I mean, what would you what would you have to say about a slumlord? Well, uh, what is a slumlord? First, a slumlord is a person who engages in renting slummy buildings. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you engage in the rental of uh, slummy buildings, the question I ask is, are you per se violating the libertarian axiom? And I can't see my way clear to thinking that you are, because assuming no fraud, in other words, you're not renting something at luxury levels and, you know, it's, it's really a rat hole, 
But, you know, the tenant comes in and sees a rat hole and says, uh, okay, I'll take it because mm. the rent is very cheap. Well, that's what a slumlord does. The slumlord rents slums to people, and then do-gooders and lefties and people who don't know any economics come around and say, aha, <clears throat> this is a slum. You're exploiting your tenants. You're not giving them hot and cold running water. There are rats here or whatever it is that, that makes up for the slum. And the answer is, well, yeah, that's true, but um, he didn't violate the libertarian axiom. He didn't uh, pick up his fist or a gun and smack somebody with it or shoot somebody so with it. So you're saying that a slumlord isn't uh, committing any sort of crime against humanity or anything like that because he's operating on a completely voluntary basis. He may be a scumbag, he may be a lowlife, and uh, his uh, his tenant, uh, the, the tenants may be less than pleased with uh, the deal they ended up deciding to get themselves into, but they made that choice is what is kind of what you're pointing out here? What it really boils well, down to is it, even for someone who doesn't under really understand the libertarian philosophy, it's just a contractual agreement. And if both parties are clear on the terms of the contract, I will rent you this disgusting rat hole with no running water in exchange for $100 a month, then there was really no crime committed. Right. I, hey, you, you sound pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. You sound like a libertarian. You've got it. Uh, I wouldn't call them scumbags, uh, although many people do, uh, but these are the do-gooder types. I would just say that he's an honest businessman renting a, a very low-level, low-quality um, uh, product. But, you know, there well. are other Sometimes, I mean, to be fair though, not that I've ever lived in uh, in, a, in a slum, but I, I do have the understanding that some landlords are better than others at, say, fixing some of the problems with their uh, with their buildings, regardless of what level uh, they're they're kept up at. Uh, but if if you've if you've gotten into a rental situation and someone has told you they're going to be uh, you know taking care of things as a landlord and then they decide to you know make you wait a month before they fix the hot water that kind of thing I think those are the types of people who tend to get labeled as a slumlord and that's kind of that is kind of scummy behavior not well, taking care yeah, of your property I would say that's fraudulent behavior and fraud is a form of theft. In other words, if I sell you 10 pounds of potatoes and it turns out there are 10 pounds of rocks in the bag, mm -hmm. in, in effect, I've stolen your money. Uh, and that's fraud. But let's take uh, somebody who sells, you know, crap or rocks or slummy apartments and, you know, you ask, well, will you be fixing the hot water? And the guy says, no, take it as is, right? Yeah. Well, that's not fraud. Uh, it's a very low uh, quality uh, service, but... Uh, well, look, suppose I sell you rotten bananas. Rotten bananas are pretty lousy, right? Mm -hmm. and, Unless and you're you making ask, bananas. Well, are they rotten? I say, you're darn tootin', they're rotten. But I'm selling them to you for a penny apiece or some very low price. Well, why am I a scumbag? Why am I just selling you crappy stuff or bad stuff? And by the fact, uh, as Julia said, uh, that both parties agreed we can infer, if we're economists, that both parties gain, at least in the ex-ante sense. So there's nothing untoward going on here. There's nothing um, scummy or scumbaggy or whatever the word is. It's just uh, selling uh, low-level uh, inferior merchandise. So, uh, Dr. Block, do you have a website of your own that, uh, that you like to promote, or is there somewhere our listeners can go to visit you online, perhaps read your writings, that sort of thing? Well, a lot of my writings are on the Mises web, M-I-S-E-S. -E Just go to Mises.com. Mm -hmm. I have my own website, uh, WalterBlock.com. 
but the Mises uh, has got a lot more of my stuff than I have myself. Uh, for example, they'll probably be picking up this interview, so if somebody misses the interview, they can they can get it from there. Okay, great. But uh, let's talk a little, if it's possible, let's talk just a little bit more about the uh, the slumlord. Uh, sure. The reason we have public housing is because uh, do-gooders uh, were unhappy with what was called tenement housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, tenement housing was high-rises, maybe six or eight uh, stories high, railroad flats with maybe cold water, maybe not hot water. And uh, uh, they were relatively safe. People were there. They, were, you know, they had no better place to go to. The rents were very low. But the do-gooders decided that this is uh, unconscionable, unacceptable, scumbaggy, if I can use that word. And what they did is they ripped them down, and you know what they did instead? They put up public housing. Which turned into absolute garbage. I'm sorry? Which turned into eventually absolute garbage as far as uh, Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely garbage. And and there's an element of force, of course, behind the public housing, whereas with, as you pointed out, with a slumlord – it's all a completely voluntary arrangement. We're all, all right. forced, all forced uh, the, by the threat of violence to pay for these government housing projects. Whereas if the, as you call them, the do-gooders, I don't know if that's necessarily an you know, appropriate term because they're not doing good. They're doing evil by, uh, you know, by forcing people to pay for their ideas. If they actually had a good idea, they could have gone out, funded it themselves, and created their own better apartments uh, that people could have added uh, at affordable rates. But that's not how they work. Uh, Dr. Block, hang on. We're going to bring you back here. If you've got a question for him, you can spend a little bit more time with us, yes? Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. All right, All right. Great. Hang on. on. 800-259-9230. They say we're hated for our freedoms. Their solution? Take away our freedoms. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. They spend both your lives and your money with reckless abandon. We're out of money now. We're operating uh, in deep deficits. One organization dares to dream of a world where nations compete for citizens instead of enslaving them. The Seasteading Institute is looking for pioneers to homestead the high seas and take civilization to the next level. Join the revolution at seasteading.org. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, the Saturday edition. You can bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231, though, if you've got a question for our special guest, Dr. Walter Block. Uh, your calls will be given priority at this moment because he is with us. Uh, the number again, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features, they are completely free. Uh, those features include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and proof they listen to the show. See them at shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you are a lady listener interested in joining the Shrine, the uh, details are there for you. Shrine.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival coming up in less than a week's time. Uh, at this time next week, we'll be broadcasting live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Uh, Julia, you'll be coming out to join us. Mark will be there. Uh, most all of the Free Talk Live crew, of course, hundreds of liberty-minded people, will be getting together in Lancaster, New Hampshire at, uh, I think it's Rogers Campground. 
and hanging out and socializing and enjoying one another's company for an entire weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, we're looking forward to it very much, so it's going to be an absolute blast. A uh, great opportunity to come up uh, as an excuse to, to see New Hampshire, tour around the state, find out what these uh, crazy Free State Project members are all about, uh, because they're an interesting and really awesome group of people. So uh, make a point of going to porkfest.com. That's porkfest with a C. Porkfest.com and getting registered and get up here for uh, for next weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, we bring back Dr. Walter Block. Uh, it, you're in Lu- uh, Louisiana, is that right? Uh, I'm a professor at Loyola University, New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, so we're talking about defending the undefendable. It's your it's your book, and uh, it's it's kind of a I guess an older book. Um, in fact, one of our listeners has a question for you. We're going to get to some calls here about what your past was like, uh, Doctor Block, and how you came to. Uh, where you are as far as your philosophy is concerned. We're going to get to that uh, here in one moment. But first, let's talk to lady listeners first. Uh, Margie is in Michigan listening to WTKG. Margie, you're on with Dr. Walter Block. Thank you. Dr. Block, I'm interested in hearing more about the libertarian view of property rights because if I live in a nice house, and a slumlord buys the house next door to me and decides not to keep it up very well, and suddenly I have rats in my house that I didn't used to have, and then my property value goes down. How is that a sort of victimless crime? Well, um, if he, if your friendly neighbor brings rats to you, that's sort of like trespass. It's almost like... Um... If he were to burn uh, coal, thick uh, sulfur coal, and, and send the, um, the uh, what do you call it, pollution over to your house, that's really a trespass, and that would be a violation of property rights. That's uh, an interesting you, question, by the way. I like a great question, Margie. I, well, oh, yeah, it's a very, very good question. Uh, so what, I don't what, think... What's the libertarian remedy in that kind of situation? Right. Well, I, I was getting to it uh, in my roundabout professorial way. I can never answer a <laughs> question directly because if I did, they'd kick me out. So I've got to prevaricate. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. I didn't mean that seriously. Um, uh, you don't really own the value of your house. For example, if uh, hippies move in next door and they don't do anything of a pollution-type thing, it's just that they, uh, they look hippie-ish and the value of your house declines, well, that libertarians would not count as a a property rights violation, so it's sort of tough on you. However, there are libertarian remedies, and the remedies are restrictive contracts or condominium contracts. What you do is you, uh, let's say I I have a five-mile square and I'm going to put in 3,000 houses. And what I do is I don't sell you just the house, but I sell you the house and membership in a condo. So uh, you, you can't get somebody next door who's going to paint his house pink and blue polka dot or, you know, be too hippie-ish or whatever it is that you think will lower your property values. So in economics, this is sometimes called external diseconomies, where somebody moves in next door and see if, it, if it's loud music, that's very, very loud music. That's a, a property rights violation like noise pollution. But there are always continuing problems. You know, a guy has a party Saturday night and it's a little loud, and, you know, what about that? Well, that's why you have condominium associations and restrictive covenants to protect yourself 
against neighbors who can lower your property values, even though you don't own your property values, you only own the uh, physical sanctity of the house, so to speak. So, uh, Dr. Block, would you say it's kind of a buyer beware situation where if you are somebody who privacy is very important, uh, quiet is very important, uh, being able to know what colors your uh, your neighbors can paint their homes is very important to you, then it's uh, it behooves you to do your due diligence and research uh, the areas that you're looking to move to and find something that is uh, is suitable rather than just throwing caution to the wind and you know buying a house in some sort of un- restricted area, which is, of course, what I like to do, because I like to have the freedom to uh, control my property. Well, I think one of the important things to point out here is that when we're talking about libertarian philosophy, we're talking about living in a society that's completely unlike the one that we live in right now, where there is a really small, limited government. Um, and, and obviously, since you asked it, this is a real life concern. So there would, in the absence of, of government agencies like zoning boards and things like that, um, neighborhood organizations where where people would be required to agree to certain terms living in certain neighborhoods would absolutely spring up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, and I don't really think it's a matter of buyer beware because the, the market helps buyers in all sorts of ways. See, one of the problems that we have now is that we have public roads and streets and highways. And in a purely free society, according to at least my latest book, we would have all of that privatized. And these private road owners would have an incentive to make sure that the value of the property abutting their road is, is higher rather than lower mm. and would naturally act as a uh, uh, benefactor for the, for the buyer. It's sort of like uh, in, in restaurants. You go into the restaurant, even if we didn't have government certification of food, we would have private ones like uh, McDonald's goes around to all their McDonald's places and makes sure that the bathrooms are clean and there are no roaches in the kitchens or whatever. Because if there are, the capital value of McDonald's will plummet, and they've got every incentive to make sure that it's, it's good. Whereas if you have government certification agencies or zoning boards and they make a mistake, well, they're still in business. It's, uh, yes. So we're much better off relying on private alternatives to support consumers or renters or uh, house owners or whoever. Margie, any other thoughts for uh, Dr. Block? Yes. I live in a very large urban historic preservation district, oh, and we, we, have, we have pretty strict rules about, uh, uh, well, not what color you can paint your house, but you can't, you can't put a solarium on the front of your house that juts out 40 feet in front. Uh, and those historic laws help to keep our values high there, and you know what you're getting into when uh, when you buy a house there, that this is the way it has to be. Uh, so it's very much like you're saying, Dr. Block, that... that the difference there, though, and I'll let uh, Dr. Block comment here in a moment, I thank you, Margie, for the call, is that uh, while you're saying you know what you're getting into, it's not always true. Um, and, f- and first of all, I'd like to point out that the place I live installed a historic district after I moved in. Now, luckily, I didn't get included, and my property didn't get included in the historic district, but uh, I had no idea that was going to happen, and I don't get the opportunity to say no thanks uh, because it's government. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com.
show, Saturday edition. Bring up anything. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Julia? Oops. You know what? You're on the third mic and it always and throws me Julia? off. Julia? Julia is with me, graciously sitting in for uh, Mark, who's down in Florida at the moment. 800-259-9231. Right now, if you've got a question for Dr. Walter Block, your calls will be given priority because he is on the line with us uh, calling from Louisiana, where he works at Loyola University. He's a free market economist and anarcho-capitalist. And uh, we're going to get to some more of these calls here. But before we go on, Dr. Block, I'd like to uh, to have you address... Uh, our last caller's point, uh, Margie, who is talking about property rights and uh, in a libertarian kind of world, uh, and she mentioned at the very end of her call the idea of a historic district, saying you know, she feels good about the historic district because it protects our values and uh, that, uh, th- that she knew what she was getting into. And I just wanted to hear what you would have to say to that. Well, I agreed entirely with your point that a lot of people buy into a house and then it's later – uh, historically districts eyes over their dead bodies, or I'm not putting it right, but uh, they put in the historic district after they bought it without any buyer leave, so it's it's very different. New Orleans is, uh, in some ways, at least some parts of New Orleans, are really antique houses from two, three hundred years old, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, keeping them the way they are does help uh, tourism, uh, because if, you know, it was just high-rises, uh, some of the unique... Uh, uh, attractiveness of New Orleans would be lost. But there's no reason that this couldn't be done on a free enterprise, and as sure. you say, it would be done in a voluntarily, uh, on a voluntary basis on a free enterprise, and it would be done more efficiently under free enterprise. Well, don't you think, <laughs> Dr. Block, that the reason is laziness? I mean, as far as the, the reason why these things are forced down people's throats, uh, for instance, I mean, if they want to f- uh, form a historic district, it takes a lot more effort to go around and make offers to everybody and try to get them to uh, to voluntarily assent to those sorts of rules for their property. And if they don't want to agree, then to buy them out and uh, buy the property yourself and then keep it up as a historic property uh, instead of what they do do, which is just use the the threat of violence from the state and say, all right, now you must obey this, you know, this set of strictures as far as your property is concerned. Isn't just pure laziness? Well, I think laziness plays a part in it, uh, and it's a lot easier to win a, uh, a majority vote than a unanimous vote. In, mm-hmm. in the marketplace, the unanimity rules. If there's one holdout, then there's nothing you can do about the holdout. Whereas in, in, the, um, in the government, if there's one holdout and 99 people want to make uh, their, their houses into the historical district, they can just force the other guy into doing it, and this isn't right. right. Uh, so okay. libertarians are sticklers for justice and it's not it's tyranny of the majority to force one person when 99 people vote against them to do the will of the 99. Yeah, and, and that's why I didn't have time to call her because we were short on time in that last segment on it, but I wanted to call her on uh, her claim that it was protecting our values. And I don't know who she's including in our, but um, I, I like the uh, the idea of property being able to progress and move forward into the 21st century and not have to uh, to be old and uh, and outdated. And I'm not, I know I'm not the only one who feels that way, but apparently with a historic district, the only people whose values count are those that value old houses did we lose you dr block i think we did lose him uh so i'll tell you what we will uh, do our best to get him back here in moments uh julia your thoughts on any of this any uh, any input um on any of this okay just i figured i'd uh, check with you before we moved on here 
800-259-9231. We continue. Uh, we're going to go to, I uh, guess Ben is in the UK. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ben. Ben. Hello. Um, hi. The, the question I was going to ask about the whole um, defending the undefendable or whatever it was called is, you've got some of these issues like the sex issues, say, with younger people or the issues of voluntary cannibalism, which I guess as a libertarian, someone like you, Mark, you, Ian, would say are okay for someone to do, but how do we approach talking about those to other people? Because as Mark liked to point out when he was there, if you just say cannibalism or children and sex in the same sentence, people immediately freak out and think you're a weirdo. Well, I don't know how often it is that uh, cannibalism comes up in conversations about liberty. Uh, Julia, have you ever encountered anyone bringing that up when you've no. talked to them about freedom? Never. Does that happen to you, Ben? People bring up cannibalism? Uh, it, it has come up, but it wasn't discussions about liberty as much, so it's an issue I well, I'll tell you what, uh, he hasn't been in on the conversation here because I was busily trying to uh, dial him up on the line. I think we actually have Dr. Block back with us. Are you there, I am. I'm back now, yes. Okay, welcome back. Uh, the question on the line here uh, from Ben in the UK is, what about cannibalism and child sex? Uh, that's the short version. <laughs> well, uh, let's take cannibalism first. Okay. Uh, if I just go out out of my house and go to the street and the next passerby I start chomping on him, well, that's a <laughs> violation of rights. So uh, whether I shoot him or kill him or just bite him, biting is uh, an offensive uh, thing and it would be a rights violation. Now, suppose there are five of us and uh, we're marooned on some desert island and rescue will come in a month and we'll all be dead in a month. Unless we eat one of the five of us, and suppose all five agree and say yes, uh, we'll pick, you know, based on dice or short straws or mm -hmm. something like that. And the guy who loses uh, agrees to uh, be eaten by his four buddies. Well, that would be legitimate. Am I still on the line? You are still here. Ah, good. So voluntary cannibalism, and there are some cases where people get lost here or there. Uh, th that would be legitimate as long as all agreed, and they would each have an incentive to agree, because if they didn't agree, they'd all die. Whereas if they agreed, each would have an 80% chance of life and a 20% chance of being the eaten one. So I think that's okay. Ben, does that answer your uh, question? Yeah, but, now, yeah, let's that talk sense. about, about child sex now. Or? Okay, let me see. If, uh, ben, did I get your uh, question answered? Uh, the, the other part was, given that that's the libertarian perspective, that you, it can happen on a voluntary level, how do you tell people that without completely freaking them out? Like, voluntary cannibalism is okay, or voluntary child sex could be okay, and people just immediately freak out. How do you recommend stepping around that? Could you hear uh, I, I sort of heard it vaguely, and if I hear it correctly, it's, uh, this doesn't sound very um, uh, appealing. Uh, we'll turn off the masses. Yes. Well, 
you know, I'm not really that concerned about turning on the masses. I'm more concerned about the truth. And if the truth hurts and if the masses are such that they'll say, oh, you know, fooey on libertarianism because we favor cannibalism, well, you know, uh, what can I say? I, I did say that coercive cannibalism or initiatory cannibalism or cannibalism without permission is a crime. And I, then I said if there are these weird cases where people are marooned and and if the average person says, well, I'm rejecting libertarianism because of that, well, what can you do? Yeah, they yeah, probably wouldn't do? like a lot of other portions of the philosophy. No doubt about it. They have a problem with something like that. Ben, but thank it you is for life saving, the... because if you allow this, then people, everyone has an eighty percent chance of life in the island scenario. And if you don't allow it, they all die. And you know, the critics have to say, well, we're in favor of mass murder. Or I mean, uh, you, I mean, you're bringing the island, island scenario up, but I mean, a real life example was the story in Germany from a few years ago, where and, and Ben, thank you for the call tonight. Uh, the story in Germany where somebody did find a voluntary victim for cannibalism, and they they came to an agreement, and he got eaten, uh, and then later on down the line, the the guy that ate the the other gentleman ended up going to jail for it, and so I don't want to spend money to put somebody in a jail cell that has voluntarily entered into an agreement with somebody else to engage in that behavior. It, it may be despicable behavior. It may be very bizarre, uh, but it's, it's, it shouldn't be illegal. Uh, Dr. Block. I, I think bizarre is a better word than despicable. Because if it's an agreement, who are we to say? But it certainly is bizarre. I'll okay, all right. Hang, hang on. We're going to bring you back here. Uh, more with Dr. Block in moments. Uh, your calls as well. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. Again, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian joining you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. And some of them can be a little scary. Uh, like, well, <laughs> cannibalism hardly ever comes up, but somebody called in about it tonight, and so we you know, addressed it as, I think, intellectually honestly as possible. And we've got Dr. Walter Block on the line with us here tonight to, uh, to do the heavy lifting. Uh, Dr. Block, welcome back to Free talk live uh thanks for having me it's interesting i am now writing just uh today um uh a new defending the undefendable tentatively called defending the undefendable too and you'll never guess which chapter i'm working on right now cannibalism cannibalism yeah. How about that so so you pointed out that vo- voluntary cannibalism that's all right but uh, all the other forms of cannibalism which involve a victim who has not consented to be a victim then that's clearly out of uh, out of uh, it's not appropriate. That that is wrong. Um, we can have a campaign poster. Voluntary cannibalism can save lives. <laughs> so uh, let's move on I to mean, let's move on to Ben's other uh, question because we do have another call for you. Yes, uh, uh, but his other question was about child sex. Well, I uh, uh, in in America in our present society, uh, I think that. Uh, What's it called uh, when you have um, an underage girl or an underage boy? Statutory Um, statutory rape. rape. I think statutory rape is reasonable. And with uh, statutory rape laws are reasonable. There's always a continuum problem. You know, where do you set it? I mean, we know that a three-year-old girl can't give consent. So if you uh, sexually involve yourself with a three-year-old girl, you should go to jail or be punished or whatever the punishment is. 
Whereas if you voluntarily involve yourself with a 23-year-old girl or woman, that's uh, legitimate because 23 is way over the right age. But what is the right age? Is it 13, 15, No 17? one will ever agree on that. That's one of the biggest right. problems. And in the yeah. meantime, what we have is a, an epidemic in this country of 18, 19, 20-year-old guys who are dating 16, 15, and you know, younger girls uh, who in, in many cases are using fraud, engaging in fraud. Uh, a lot of these uh, teenage girls are pretending as though they're older than they actually are in order to do who knows what with these guys, and then they find out down the line that uh, they were misled, uh, or even, they, even if they didn't know they were misled and they still uh, voluntarily consented to sexual activity with these uh, young ladies, and of course it does go the other way, but it's mostly guys that are going to jail. Uh, then they end up in a jail cell with a criminal record uh, for doing something that was completely consensual. Of course, around the country, ages of consent range from as low as 16 up to 18. It used to be 14 in Hawaii. Canada used to have it as uh, as 14 for the longest time, and they didn't have a problem with teenage pregnancies like uh, the United States uh, has has and does. So it's just an absolute mess, and when you talk to people about it, they'll all have different ideas to what the right age should be. Perhaps, uh, Dr. Block, should it be something that's decided uh, by an arbitrator who can actually, instead of just judging uh, judging by the law on the books, can actually look at the specifics of the case, talk to the people uh, involved, and you know the arbitrator make the decision as to whether or not this person was taken advantage of? What, one well, thing that no. I... I'm sorry. One thing that I would suggest would be, I mean, if you're to live in this society like we currently have where there are laws of of the, or not not laws, but but court systems sort of as we have it, um, I I would imagine the way I think that it should run at least would be that where what we currently have is the state goes after people. You know what I mean? Like if a a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old have sex with each other and one of them happens to get pregnant, then not only do they have to deal with that pregnancy, but if it's one of the states where that's against the law, the state can choose to go after a person like that, and then they're sex offenders for life. Without having someone press charges, you mean? Right, that's what I'm saying, is is if if we were to have some sort of a system, if we had a system where... The only charges, the only way that could be done is if somebody actually pressed charges against somebody. So, like, I'm 14, I had sex with my 16 year old boyfriend, I felt violated. I feel like that they're really the only person that can make that claim, and that some arbitrary group like government sitting around in a room saying, okay, once you're 14 years old, you are okay to make those sorts of decisions by yourself. Like that doesn't really jive with me because I consider myself to be a much more mature 14 year old than other 14 year olds that I knew. And I was a much more mature 17 year old than other 17 year olds I knew. And if we're making decisions based on, you know, the average person, well, then I kind of get screwed in that situation. See, the problem is if you set it in at any age, let's say 16, which is not an unreasonable age, there are some people younger than 16 who are more mature uh, than, than other people who are older than 16 or less mature. Uh, one possibility is to have free enterprise courts, and uh, we know that competition brings about a better product. We libertarians don't have to solve every issue. Uh, we have to favor, I think, private courts, which would do a much better job. Right. One of the uh, points I think you're making is, suppose it's 16 and now you have a a boy who's 16 and one month and a girl who's 15 and 11 months. They're mm-hmm. just two months apart. And now, the, you know, he can be accused of statutory rape. I think that we ought to also, maybe, I'm speculating, the law 
the free enterprise law also ought to take into account not just the, the 16 cutoff, but how old the guy is. Like, this seems to me to be a difference between a, a boy who's 16 years and one month and a girl who's 15 years and 11 months on the one hand, and a 15-year-old girl, a 15- and 11-month-old girl, and a 50-year-old man, it seems uh, that uh, the latter would be taking more advantage of her than the former, but uh, this is sort of But it all depends, though. Doesn't it depend on oh, yes, the, on the yes, circumstances? Yes. I mean, this is well, one of the reasons why... We can have a situation where the 50-year-old man is innocent, but these are very uh, big complications, and I think one mistake is sometimes made to think that libertarians have to answer all questions better than anyone else, these are very difficult questions. Uh, there are continuum problems. But let me mention something that is very radical libertarian. Uh, if I had a three-year-old daughter and I was in a, a starving situation where we were going to starve and there was this pedophile who wanted to take advantage of her, I would rather uh, that she engaged in sex with this rich guy than died. So That's, we could even have an exception talk there. About a, talk about a what-if scenario that uh, is uh, pretty pretty unlikely, although I, I see where you're coming from on that. Uh, let's go quickly here to Steve in Pennsylvania. You're on with Dr. Walter Block. Hello, Ian. Hello, Dr. Block. How are you doing? Julia's hi. here, too. Go ahead, Steve. Julia. Hi, Julia. Hello. Um, Dr. Block. Hi there. Dr. Block, I understand that you actually came to Libertarian um, while you were in college, but I also understood that you were partially, possibly even uh, leaning towards a communist at that time. And uh, I think it would be helpful for all of those who are trying to spread the, the, uh, the ideals of liberty on how you came to libertarianism from your extreme left-wing um, uh, uh, star. Good question, well, Steve. I, Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm Jewish, and I was from New York City. And to say a, a New York City Jew leftist is almost a redundancy. All of us were that <laughs> way, and I just guess I fell into that uh, sort of thinking. <clears throat> I was a student at Brooklyn College. I was a senior in college, about 21 years old, and Ayn Rand came to lecture, and I came to boo and hiss her because she favored free enterprise, and as we all knew, we socialists, you know, free enterprise is evil. And uh, after the uh, lecture, there was an announcement that the Ayn Rand study club that had invited her to speak was having a luncheon in her honor, and everyone was invited, whether you agreed or not. And I didn't have enough booing and hissing at her, so I came to the thing. And there was this long table of about 50 people, 25 on a side, and I was relegated to the foot of the table. I turned to my neighbor and I said, hey, this capitalism is no good, uh, socialism is better, what do you say? And he said, well, I don't really know, but the people who do are at the other end of the table. So I went at the other end of the table and I stuck my head in between Ayn Rand's and Nathaniel Brandon's and I said, there's a socialist who wants to debate people on this. And I said, oh yeah, who's that? And I said, it's me. And Brandon was very gracious. He agreed to come to the other end of the table where there was a seat for him, my end of the table. Walter, I have to tell but you, you've got to fast forward the story to like less than 30 seconds. And he uh, said that he would do this under two conditions. One, that I read two books, Atlas Shrugged and Economics in One Lesson and the other that we continue this conversation until we finish it, and I did. I met him four or five times with Ayn Rand, and I read the two books, and that's how I got converted. That's, a, that's an amazing story, and uh, I thank you for, for taking the time to sit in with us here tonight. 
on Free Talk Live answer some what I think were some very good questions uh, this evening. And we're going to go on to discuss uh, teenage prostitution here in moments. I'm sure that uh, you would find that to be something you could defend uh, as well. But unfortunately, we're out of time for this hour. So, Dr. Walter Block, uh, people can get in touch with you one more time. Your website, if you don't mind. WalterBlock.com or Mises.com, M-I-S-E-S.com. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. WalterBlock.com. And as you said, you're working on a brand new book, uh, a sequel, if you will, to Defending the Undefendable. So looking forward to talking about that when it comes out. And uh, have a great night. Enjoy your weekend. More Free Talk Live is on the way. Yes, sir. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour 2 coming up. You bring up anything. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. On your feet! I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the U.S. military, reserves, or National Guard, you have special rights and privileges earned through your service to your country, including special VA loan programs not available to the general public. You could purchase a new home with no down payment or refi your home up to 100% of your home's equity. You've earned these benefits through your dedication and service. iFreedom Direct, a direct VA lender, can help you discover whether you and your property qualify. Get the details at varadio.com. That's varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. VARadio.com This is Free Talk Live. It is the Saturday edition of the program. We're live. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Julia. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Our features on the site, we give away. Those other talk show hosts in the industry, they want to charge you for their website. Ours is free, so enjoy it on us at freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out by going right to your phone calls. Marcus has been waiting patiently, listening to WFLA down in Florida. Hello, Marcus. Hello, how are you? Hey, doing great. You're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Okay, well, uh, I was telling the friendly screener guy, um, I was listening to you guys talking about ages of consent and uh, things like that with regard to sexuality and whatever. But if you think about, you know, coming up with a with a necessary age for sex, I mean, you can apply something like that to, like, the legal age of adulthood or the legal age to vote or what's the legal age for drinking. I mean, I think that there's some people out there that should probably never be able to vote or never be allowed to drink or never be allowed to wield a gun for that matter. But, like, how do you decide when a person is mature enough to handle these responsibilities? Well, I I think that's one of the reasons why you really can't set an age on it. And I think that one of the most important things to remember when discussing the philosophy of liberty and and freedom, really what it boils down to is if you want to be free yourself, you absolutely need to grant all others the same freedom, and whether you like it or not. And sometimes that's scary. But here's here's the thing. Freedom comes at a cost, and that cost is responsibility. And I think some people are just incapable of being responsible. I'm sure you've encountered that on a daily basis. I understand where you're coming from completely, and I believe that government makes that problem so, so, so much worse. Government encourages irresponsibility. Yeah, it, it, it encourages irresponsibility because people feel like there's always this safety net that they don't have to take responsibility for their actions. And I do agree. 
I, I feel like obviously there would be some transition time, but mm-hmm. in a society where people were not so heavily reliant on government, it, it would pretty much be sink or swim, and people would learn very quickly that they need to take responsibility for their own actions, and they need to put away money and, and do all these things that they really never felt like they had to do before. Well, the government system well, that we have today, it, it definitely encourages your responsibility because it, it basically government says, hey... Don't you worry about where to send your kids to school. We'll take care of deciding all that for you. Hey, don't worry about saving for retirement. We're going to take care of that for you. So, I mean, the, any anything it can, it picks up and it says, hey, take it easy. Don't worry about cool. anything. We'll take care of it. And, of course, that, that okay. kind of uh, promotes a society of laziness and, uh, and irresponsibility and people not really paying close attention to what they're doing uh, with their lives. And, and now we've got, uh, as a result of all that, uh, we've got a society where children are raising children. I mean, we've got adult children all over this country. I mean, they look like adults, but they're really very childlike uh, mentally because they've never really been given the opportunity to grow up. In many cases, if they'd wanted to grow up, they've been prevented from doing so by a lot of the laws that are supposedly protecting them. Oh, you. Oh, no, no, you can't work. You're only 14 years old. You just wait here a while and then we'll let you work later on when we're ready for it. I've, uh, I've got I've got a question, if you guys don't mind my asking. Go ahead. Go right ahead. I mean, I've, okay, I've always considered myself, like, as far as, I've always considered myself more of a, a physical conservative and social liberal. I, I don't know exactly, how does that jive with libertarianism? Like, what's the end goal of libertarianism? I, I just don't understand exactly. Well, sometimes uh, it's it, hard. It seems like it's it's hard for me to speak to libertarianism because I don't like the term very much anymore. I feel like it's been debased by certain uh, elements like Neil Bortz and Glenn Beck, people like that. Um, and I don't think they're really really representative of what it should mean or what it used to mean. But uh, but okay. to, to well, basically, what, what did it used to mean? Well, in my understanding, it was uh, the idea that in order to be free, you must, like Julia said, allow others to be free as well. Typically, libertarians do tend to have a, a fiscally conservative mindset. When, when you're talking about government, a fiscally conservative, socially liberal mindset. So I would say that's another way of defining you know, what a libertarian is. I would go all the way and suggest that true libertarianism is the absence of coercion, and that is that uh, in any human relationship, it is always inappropriate to threaten violence against your neighbor, uh, to threaten your neighbor with uh, with force if he or she doesn't operate in the way that you want them to. And that's all that government ever really is. When you break it down to its ultimate uh, level, there is the gun in the room every single time, regardless of what the government program is that you're looking at, whether it's feeding the hungry or, uh, you know, having a military, it's always backed up by the threat of force in that if i decide that i don't right. i don't appreciate the program i don't like the the goals i don't want to support it i will be thrown for, uh, potentially in a jail cell if i yeah. withhold my funding from it so ultimately i think that uh, true libertarianism is a is a path toward the voluntary society and and in having mankind essentially evolve to where everything is based on consent instead of coercion which is what most things today are consensual i mean 99% of your day you're you're interacting with uh, with people in business and uh, in your personal life, and you're all doing it on a voluntary consent basis. But when government comes into the picture, the consent's right out the window, and you'll do as they say or else. Does that make right. sense? Right. There, there are a lot of, uh, I feel like there are a lot of extraneous, uh, extraneous rules and regulations out there uh, that just shouldn't really exist. But um, at the same time, you know, I, I understand the idealism of like libertarianism. I think, I think that's good, but. It, that's that's the thing. It's it's idealism, and there's always going to be people that that well, there's always going to be people that screw it up for everyone else. 
you know? So, like, the battle's just going to continue. Well, to answer your initial question, like Ian, I don't call myself really a libertarian, but but I think that most people that would call themselves libertarians would agree exactly with the statement, I, I'm a, a fiscal conservative and, or, and a social liberal. I've heard that, that statement a lot. So if those are really your beliefs, then I would say yes, most people would probably say that you're a libertarian and that you at least understand the philosophy somewhat. And okay. as far as a few ruining it for the rest of us, see that I take real moral issue with that. And, and I think yeah. that a lot of people, when talking about libertarianism, they seem to, to think that that libertarians believe that that uh, libertarianism is perfect and that there wouldn't be any problems in the world. And that's just not the case at all. Yeah, it's not utopia. It, right. The, the right. voluntary society isn't utopia. But, it's not to suggest that there would be no more crime or no more uh, violence or anything like that. But or, it is to suggest no more, that right. it, it is to suggest that the voluntary society would eliminate the institutionalization of violence. That uh, the government, uh, as we know it, which is an authoritarian structure, would no longer exist, and the only instance of violence or instances of violence at that point would be private person-to-person violence. And of course, as Dr. Block was talking about earlier, a suggestion for dealing with that would be to have a private justice system or a market a market-based justice system to where we can actually have competition in courts instead of this one-size-fits-all government monopoly, so where, whether you like okay. it or not, you're screwed and you're stuck with it. Well, I, I heard you talking about private, uh, private court systems before, but what does that really mean? It's a good question. Long answer. I uh, highly recommend okay. that you take a look at a book called The Market for Liberty. It's available okay. free. If you go to book.freetalklive.com, you'll get a, okay. you can get an audio version of the book, or you can download a PDF, and both of them are completely free. And it goes really into detail as far as what a market arbitration system or, or free market justice what? system might look like. But in What's a nutshell, in a nutshell, I mean, if you understand that competition brings good things, do you gen- generally agree with that? Yeah, of course. So, so basically, you're, you're talking about injecting uh, competition or allowing, rather, competition into the marketplace of justice. Right now, it's a one-size-fits-all government monopoly. Take it. Uh, you, you're forced to take it. You have to deal with their system no matter how uh, inefficient and awful and tyrannical it is. Whereas with okay. a marketplace uh, injustice, you would be able to choose arbitrators, and those arbitrators, you would choose them based on their track record, based on how fair yeah. they were and how affordable well, they were and, and that sort of thing. And but you're always look. You're always going to have like people imposing upon other people. So what happens when it comes to the point where these marketplace courts or uh, however they work end up fighting each other? Well, uh, they, when you say fighting each other, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. In, in any sense of the word, it could be physical. It could be economic. Whatever. I well, mean, there you, you are... say competition. I mean, consider consider the, the, the corporate world. I mean, people deal with like uh, uh, corporate spies. Let me give you um, one quick example here, and then we have to then we have to move on. Basically, uh, okay, if, no if you problem. and I were involved in in a situation where we had a disagreement, and we wanted to go to arbitration. You picked an arbitrator. We, let's say we couldn't agree on an arbitrator, so I pick one and you pick one. Then those two arbitrators would then be fighting, right? So they would choose a third party arbitrator to arbitrate between the arbitrators, if that makes sense. And a lot of these companies, like insurance companies today, which sort of fight in a way, uh, they have interlocking agreements amongst one another in the marketplace to say, well, if we're going to deal with you, then we're going have this arbitrator to uh, figure this all this stuff out. The marketplace is amazing at doing at dealing with all of these details in this minutia and figuring out how best to organize things. More on the way. Thank you for the call. This is Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Bring up anything. 
Hey, this is Mike. This is Jamie from Wheels Off Liberty inviting you to join us on our weekly podcast about freedom that even two idiot rednecks like us can understand. Take it from the only two hosts that have been gay married, had an Xbox playing pot-induced honeymoon, and then got gay divorced. We believe in liberty for everyone. So join us every week on www.wheelsoffliberty.com for a one-of-a-kind take on liberty and freedom. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever's on your mind, toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you can click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website, completely free for you at freetalklive.com. Now then, there are lots of reasons that you might want to hide your valuables around your home. StatureSwag.com gives you more than 100 common places around your home. Most of them involve little or no modification. In fact, uh, you'll find that they are very, uh, very affordable as well. Most of them under seven bucks. Uh, the guide contains detailed pictures to help you out. You can get it for less than seven bucks at StashYourSwag.com. That's StashYourSwag, S-W-A-G, StashYourSwag.com. As we continue taking your phone calls about what you want, let's talk to David in Canada. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Good day, Ian. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? How are you? Hey, what's on your mind, David? Uh, first off, I guess it would have to be, do you folks know who I am? My name is David Raymond Amos. Nope, never heard of you. I first crossed paths with uh, your association in 2002 when I lived in Milton, Massachusetts in uh, you had some people running for public office for governor and stuff in Massachusetts. I've never lived in Massachusetts, so I'm not sure what association. Uh, not even, I have no well, idea what you're talking uh, about. Well, I relocated to South Ackworth, New Hampshire, which is not too far from Keene and South Brattleboro. Brattleboro okay. Brattleboro, excuse me, Brattleboro in uh, 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. I filed some very important complaints in Concord, New Hampshire in 2003. Okay. Uh, Way back in 2002, I sued three U.S. Treasury agents in Boston and a host of judges and lawyers and the Attorney General of Massachusetts. How'd that work out for you? I won four judgments by default before the Secret Service came to my home in Milton and tried to take me to Guantanamo Bay. Oh, dear. How'd you escape that's why, that? That's why I ran for Parliament in Canada four times. So how did you escape the Secret Service if they came to try to take you to Guantanamo Bay? How did you avoid that? I don't run. I charge. The Secret Service, uh, ever since uh, you had a country, basically, or when they came into inception, uh, worked for the Treasury Department. I had sued three U.S. Treasury agents. Mm -hmm. And uh, the agents, one was uh, Joe Bonovich, the other was Nellie Damon, and it's all about jurisdiction. So they came with the Milton Cops. And uh, when I had just won four judgments by default on March the 18th before the the war in Iraq started, and we lived in the town where George H.W. Bush was born. And I had blown the whistle on a bank where apparently his buddies had washed money through, too. So are you, I, just, I guess I don't really understand the point of your call. Are you here to pat yourself on the back? Or, I mean, it sounds like you've done some good things. What, what were you trying I to get at you here? I gave you guys hard copy in 2002. You what? I gave you guys hard copy in 2002. Sir, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, the this fellow shows... that was running for governor in Massachusetts. I have no idea. What, uh, let me allow me to lay down something here for you. Uh, this is Free Talk no, Live. No, answer your emails, will you? Excuse me? 
Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Yeah, I really want to answer your emails. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. That was confusing. Yeah. Uh, first of all, in 2002, I was living in Florida. We were doing Free Talk Live from Sarasota, Florida. The show wasn't even syndicated yet, so there's no way that he would have been able to hear the show in Massachusetts. And I still don't even know what the hell he was talking about. But Answer hey, your emails. You can you can call about anything on Free Talk Live. And no, we don't guarantee that we're going to answer your emails. If I had to answer every single email this show gets, uh, I would not have time to do anything else. 1-800-259-9231. Let's uh, continue taking your calls about whatever you want and talk to David in Montana listening to KGEZ. Hello, David. Hello? Hey, uh, hello. Is this David? Uh, this is Frank. How you doing? Frank, uh, you're listening to WFTL in Florida. Yes, uh, the Netherlands is closing down uh, prisons left and right because they're experiencing a severe shortage of criminals. It seems the problem is that they've uh, virtually made prostitution and uh, drugs illegal. Hallelujah. uh, I know the Miami Herald always attributes a rise in crime to the rise in the price of cocaine. It seems like when drugs become affordable, uh, crime goes way down. Absolutely. I mean, that's just a fact. And anybody that anybody that's an honest law enforcement officer will tell you that whenever they're investigating a theft or some sort of robbery, some kind of situation where something has been stolen, more often than not, or even just people being held up at uh, knife point or gunpoint and, and threatened with violence in order to hand over cash or valuables, uh, just 90 plus percent of the time, those incidents have to do with somebody who's fiending for a crack fix. And they need to get some money in order to, uh, or something, to, to go and take their dealer so they can get their next crack rock or heroin or whatever, you know, their drug of, uh, addictive drug of choice might happen to be. If, uh, if drugs, of course, were legal, they would be available in the marketplace and then real uh, market competition could come into play and uh, those drugs would be available at very affordable prices. You don't see people holding up uh, liquor stores in order to steal the beer in the back. Uh, they're holding up liquor stores to get cash to go and buy drugs that are made, that are illegal. So I think you're absolutely Absolutely spot on. Well, I always said if you want to create a lot of criminals, create a lot of government. I use the example of the uh, Quakers in colonial America. They had no government. They had no law courts. They had no laws. It seems like peer pressure is a far more powerful deterrent to antisocial behavior yes. than uh, government laws and prisons. Peer pressure is also uh, another way of saying ostracism uh, as far as if somebody is to break one of the rules, if somebody does something wrong. I think that ostracizing them and damaging their reputation, demanding that they pay restitution in order to restore their reputation is a far more effective means of just taking somebody who's done something naughty and putting them in a prison cell with a bunch of other people that have done uh, mean things uh, and and hoping that that's going to somehow reform them. You know, Mark, I heard you debating recently about... I'm Ian. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I heard you debating a couple shows ago about the dropping of the atomic bomb, and I'd wanted to say... That, that 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 did not speed up the surrender of Japan. The fact that they demanded unconditional surrender made that war drag out longer. The atomic bomb is the most useless uh, weapon ever invented. It's not even an effective deterrent against itself. And uh, 90% of the generals told uh, Truman, do not drop the atomic bomb is inhumane. And they always say, well, there would have been 500,000 to a million casualties if we had, had were forced to invade Japan, there was no reason to invade nope, Japan. Our U.S. Uh, uh, Pacific fleet was so dominant 
that they could have just uh, circled the islands and starved them into submission. Yep, you're absolutely right. And there's no reason to invade Hawaii in the first place if you want to go uh, even further back. Thanks, Frank, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. We're going to try Dave in Montana again. Dave, are you there, sir? Dave in Montana. Hey, hey, what's happening? Hey, they dropped that atom bomb just to demonstrate to the world, look what we got, and you better listen to us. Probably true. And, uh... We all forget about uh, when it comes to liberty and freedom, where there is love, there is freedom. So first we got to conquer greed, hate, and power-hungry people that like demonstrating power through blowing up atom bombs. And the only way that's going to ever happen is the economic system. It breeds greed. It breeds hate. It breeds jealousy. What would you propose, Dave? I want to bring you back here. I don't know. Here. That, that's, that's well, you've got to have some proposal would be secret. helpful. If you don't that's know, I'll let you know. That, well, that's the problem us humans have to be human about. I, uh, it seems I, like when we talk about money, we forget that we're, we're all human beings. Dave, thanks for the call tonight. More on the way. We'll talk about money in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. Alakees.com is a community for self-learners at Alakees. You'll find tools to help you connect with people learning the same things you're learning, tutor other community members, and to make contacts that can help you find jobs. You can also earn money by sharing your know-how with others and contributing quality content. Visit alakees at a-l-e-k-e-s-e dot com. Again, that's a-l-e-k-e-s-e dot com. This is Free Talk Live, Saturday edition. You bring up anything, just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, including the bulletin board system, we've got over 450,000 posts there for you to surf around through a whole lot of people talking about various different things, and it's all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. All right, so, Julia, before we move on with uh, some more phone calls, let's let's address a little bit about uh, toward what David had to say there in Montana, basically saying that, uh, that, that you know, the economic system is a problem because it encourages greed. Uh, I would have to say to that that I, th- I don't think greed is in, in itself a problem. I think that in a free marketplace, which we do not have in this country. Not even close. No. In a free marketplace, greed is checked by competition. But in our current world, in our current economic system, which is uh, this kind of corporatist, socialist, fascist mix uh, that we have, in this current world where government holds a monopoly, the people calling themselves government hold a monopoly over force and have the ability to reward their friends and punish their enemies with their governmental system and their rules and their regulations and taxes and all of that, essentially what that allows is for the greediest of the greedy to become power seekers, go after governmental uh, positions, whether they actually go after them themselves or they just fund the campaigns of their buddies and have their buddies go and do it for them. So if I'm a if I'm a head of industry, for instance, I might not want to actually run for Senate, but I'll fund one of my buddies to run for Senate, and then he'll go ahead and work for my interests when he gets into the Senate. So basically the system we have encourages the greedy to seize power. And once greedy people get their hands on power, it's all over at that point. Because if they have the ability to just legislate themselves business, 
if they have the ability to write a law that guarantees that their company is going to get business from you or from the from the government or whatever source, then they don't have to compete. Then they don't have to provide a product or service that's available in the marketplace on a voluntary basis, competing with others that are also available in the marketplace, because that's the normal check and balance on greedy people. If I get too greedy, if, for instance, uh, in, the, in, the, in our business, in, in radio, uh, if I decide to get too greedy and I'm going to start charging way too much for, uh, for advertisements on Free Talk Live, start charging $100 a spot or something like that, and by the way, some... Uh, some radio shows get thousands of dollars per spot. $100 is a lot more than we're getting right now, I'll tell you that. But if I, if I just decided to raise our rates times 10, 10 times what they currently are, then no one would buy from me. I wouldn't be able to sell those commercials because you could go to another radio show that's on as many affiliates that's offering the spots for less. And you could buy, it, buy the, the commercials from them. So I don't have a monopoly on being a radio show host. I feel like a lot of people out there, especially people that I tend to associate with, young people are particularly indoctrinated with this belief, just sort of feel like money is bad. And it's really an emotional response, I think, because they're a little jealous, maybe, that some people have more money than they do. Well, they've been told that money's the root of all evil and other such nonsense over the years. And yes, wouldn't it be just wonderful if we could all just walk down to the store and take what we wanted off the shelves instead of having to actually work and pay for it? Sure, that sounds wonderful. However, it doesn't work that way. And if you, I I, I mean, I I actually, I don't know if you remember this, but a while back on the show, um, I read a an essay that a kid sent me about how he was going to take all the money out of the world if he got his way <laughs> and assign gold stars and that was just going to magically fix yeah. all the problems in the world. Did he ever graduate past second grade? I mean, that's the last time I remember gold well, stars. Well, he, he was educated yeah. actually. He was a college student. How uh, patronizing can you be? Can you get? Oh, Julia, we're going to give you gold stars if you're a good little citizen, and then you can use those gold stars to buy things. Yeah. I mean, just, at our just, gold star store. <laughs> it's just just ludicrous. Didn't I think, you have, uh, try to conver- uh, have a conversation with that guy, and it went oh, absolutely nowhere? Oh, he got nowhere. so angry. He was angry that I even asked questions about it. Then mm, I invited him on Free Talk wisdom. Live, and he was really mad, and he's Stop talking to me. So where were you going with that? I kind of interrupted I actually you. totally forgot. I'm That's sorry. Right. It's not a problem. Uh, but we were talking about greed, I, and you, that kind of led into this discussion of money being the root of all evil, which is, of course, on its face, obvious nonsense. I right. wouldn't be able to do this show, which I consider a, a fairly good thing as far as, like, it's not an evil show. Is Free Talk Live evil? I don't think so. Uh, money is the root of this show. If, if I hadn't uh, had a decent amount of savings, I wouldn't have been able to build my own home studio. And uh, now that I've got more money coming in, I wouldn't be able to grow the show without having money coming in, say, from the Free Talk Live amplifiers and, and get it on more radio stations. If I also get money coming in, I can do things like donate to charity. I just cut a $100 check to the local uh, food kitchen here a few, uh, few days back. If I didn't have um, extra money to throw around... I wouldn't be able to do good things with that money. So to to say that is just absolutely right. insane. And, and I, I think where I was going with that was what people need to think about is is how when you go into Walmart, for example, and you have to purchase something off the shelf, you need to think about how that product got there. I mean, somebody manufactured it or made it, mm-hmm. and somebody stocked the shelves, and, and like there's all there's all these the thing just didn't appear on the shelf. There's all of these steps involved, and that costs money because. 
And, and without money, there's absolutely no incentive for anyone to produce something like that. Well, money is really nice to have because it's a convenient go-between between people that may have a, a product or service that is valuable to some people, but not necessarily to others. Uh, and now I don't know how well I'm explaining this. Money is essentially a, it's a go-between. So, for instance, Julia, if you have a coconut tree and I have a banana tree and uh, I want to get a pig, you don't have the pig. But you've got coconuts and uh, and I've got bananas, so we can't really trade anything because uh, well, you don't want my coconuts, I don't want your bananas. Uh, but if we have if we have money, I could maybe pay you to do some sort of service with money. I don't know what the service might be, something naughty perhaps. Uh, I could pay you to do some sort my of service. My rates are very affordable. <laughs> and so then uh, then you could take that. Well, let's say you wanted the pig. So I pay you to do a service for me. You take that money. You can go buy the pig from somewhere else. Whereas if all we have is just the coconuts and the, the bananas, if you don't want my coconuts, then I can't hire you to do any services. So money allows commerce to happen. It allows, uh, it allows people to, uh, to get things without having to necessarily have the exact thing that the other person wants to. Did, am I even explaining this in a coherent manner? I understand it. Okay. But- uh, 1-800-259-9231. Medium of exchange. That's uh, the term I'm looking for. And it came about for that reason. It came about to make commerce easier. It came about to uh, to make things go smoother in the economy. And, and to the, the whole idea of eliminating money is just some, you talk about utopian fantasies. Uh, that's That's pretty utopian. Because even if you were to, even if the government were to just abolish tomorrow, just to wave its magic wand as it can with the Federal Reserve and say, okay, no more cash. Well, then something would come about. The marketplace would determine what would be an acceptable uh, solution for that problem. Maybe it would be gold. Maybe it would be silver. Maybe both. Maybe platinum. All kinds of different options are out there. Maybe banana peels would become valuable. Probably not because they can go bad. That's one of the reasons why gold and silver are kind of the worldwide preferred uh, backings. Of course, nobody's really backing anything with gold and silver. But in the absence of the government uh, fiat currency, stuff like that would start springing up and there'd be nothing they could do about it. And I think it's important to point out that money is really just a form of exchange. And that if you if you were to eliminate paper money today, I mean, pe- people will, will find another. I don't even know. I don't exactly want to say a thing. That's exactly what I was just saying. Yeah. They would plug something in in its place. Exactly. Something would replace it because it's just a means of exchange and people want to trade for goods and services. It's just the way it, that it works. Let's go to your phone calls. David is in Virginia. You can call about anything. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. David. Say that when I heard you, uh, Ian, on uh, Talkback, the radio show. That's a local uh, talk show. Host, That's I don't a, know what his name was. Yeah. Maybe you can say it. But uh, he, he, just listening by the, to the tone of his voice, you can tell he just seems very angry. And um, it seems like he often pretends not to understand things. You I mean, were talking about uh, a local radio show here in the Keene, New Hampshire area that I will sometimes call in on on Saturday mornings, and I post those calls over at freekeen.com. And you're right. I mean, government bureaucrats do tend to be angry. If you have more to say, hang on, we'll bring it back. Uh, but okay. government people do tend toward anger, and I don't know what it is about that. Maybe it's just their frustration uh, over not being able to control everybody in every way, shape, or form that they want to. Uh, hard to say. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, Saturday edition of the show. You dial in toll-free and bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
And tonight it's Ian with you. And Julia. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is you want to buy, they've got dozens of categories in which you can shop. You can even buy used if you want to save a few extra bucks. Shop through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You'll feel great because you're getting a great deal. It's Amazon, after all. And Free Talk Live is getting a percentage. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. Do businesses with business that support FTL. All right. We continue with David. I think he's still there in Virginia. David, are you back with us? I am. You were talking about uh, one of my appearances on a uh, talk show in the local Keene area in New Hampshire, which is uh, available for download at freekeen.com. And you were commenting on one of the hosts of the show and how angry he seemed. I wanted to give you a chance to finish up your thoughts. So go ahead. Yes. I just wanted to say it seems like every time you're on the show, um, the female host, seems somewhat confused sometimes, but she doesn't seem to have that anger in her voice and contempt that I notice is present in the male's voice all the time. Confused? <laughs> uh, well, she doesn't necessarily agree or understand some of the things, but I'm saying the male host, he's just plain angry and doesn't agree. And, it, and when you were using the word maximum, he acted like he didn't even understand the meaning of the word maximum. Yeah, this guy's a yeah. lawyer, by the way, I'd like to point out. Oh, oh! I thought that you were talking about me at first. I'm sorry, and I got no, no. that's why I said confusing. I'm oh, sorry. No, he I was just, talking it about... clicked for me. I thought you said the female host on this show sounded confused no. all the time and doesn't oh, understand. No, no, he was talking about my appearances on uh, Talkback gotcha. no, local. It it's clicked. a local talk show here in the Keene, New Hampshire. I was a little area. insulted. I'm sorry, but now okay. I'm not. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't no. talking about you. Yeah, because yeah, um, I mean, obviously, he would have to understand being a lawyer that the maximum means anything up to. I mean, you right. know, one share is less than three. I mean, this is basic English. Um, but another thing I wanted to mention was that I, I found it very interesting that you uh, came across Quakers because um, I, I discovered that as well some months before you mentioned that and the similarities somewhat in uh, to voluntarism or the similar uh, philosophies. And I also noticed that, at least in England, there's a, a good amount of uh, leaders in the Quaker movement that are atheist Quakers, and they do have, uh, they consider themselves Quakers, and they're accepted. And they've had some talks with the uh, Quakers in the United States, and uh, they've tried to get away from using the word God completely, even uh, if it's metaphorical to mean something else, like that inner voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I would encourage, maybe you might, might be interested in talking more about the atheists with the Quakers and making well, people I'm know not really an atheist You can anymore. be an atheist and yeah. be a Quaker. You can be, and that's that's my understanding. You can be a, a Christian and be a Quaker, an atheist and a Quaker. I don't really know how all that exactly works. I'm pretty new to the whole Quakerism idea uh, myself. But uh, nonetheless, thanks for bringing that up, and thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's continue with Dan in New Hampshire. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Dan, New Hampshire, going once. Julia, uh, Mark's gone, eh? He is ah. gone forever. Oh, oh, we miss him. We definitely miss him. He will be back um, Wednesday. Yeah, of course. Um, just a small correction to the uh, root of all evil. Yes, sir. Uh, the the correct quote is, the love of money is the root of all evil. 
uh, evil. Still a ludicrous quote, if you ask me. Well, I, you know, there's a point to it, and I think it's a valid one. Uh, you know, if, if if you love anything but but people, <laughs> you know, your 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 uh, your emotions are displaced, and you're well. Maybe maybe you could say decisions. maybe Dan, you could qualify it by saying if you love money above all else, that could be a bad thing, but. Like, uh, if I don't hate money, I don't uh, fear you know, money. Do you qualify your love? What's that? <laughs> I say, do you qualify your love, Ian? Uh, well, no, I don't think about things in that way. I mean, I don't hate, oh. I don't fear money, so I must love money. I mean, I don't... I, I love money so much that they call me money at work. <laughs> <laughs> and you are just the sweetest thing, Julia. Well, you are not I, evil. You know, I, the, I understand you know, the, the, where... The term of love is, is you know... Uh, is, it usually means uh, you know an unqualified positive regard, and and it's stupid to have that for a you know for an inanimate object that's okay. a tool for us. And and if you do have that for for those items, then I, you know I think you're a little off, and you'll probably make bad, make bad decisions, and and uh, and bad decisions I think uh, often you know produce evil results, but. I would generally agree that uh, somebody who is focused only on money is going to end up with some probably some negative results. Uh, but I think that, that that particular quote, whether it's complete or not, whether it's the the, the root of, that the the love of money uh, is the the root of all evil or not, whether it's that or truncated, it has poisoned people. Uh, that yeah, that well, quote has poisoned I mean, people toward the, the, uh, the thinking. The two quotes are completely different. If uh, if you you know care to. I don't uh, know if I agree. Uh, I mean, they, you know, I mean, you know, money is not the root of all evil. Yeah, well, it's and, the slightest. By, by anybody's estimation. And uh, you know what? Uh, uh, you've probably seen Zeitgeist, the uh, the uh, addendum, right? The movie? I have. Uh, I don't know if I've seen the addendum, but I've seen Zeitgeist. Oh, uh, there's a new one. The, you know, the addendum, and it has the first two parts are really good, but the third part... Is is their uh, their uh, Venus project or whatever it is, and basically uh, that's a, uh, a new society uh, civilization based on on uh, no money on. Uh, oh yeah, talk about a crazy a idea. Based thing, and and I just thought that uh, I listened to another interview of uh, David Jensen, I think his name is, who made those movies and. Uh, and and he starts with some premises that I think are pretty foolish. Yeah, it but, sounds sounds pretty yeah, utopian. Yeah, yeah, I think he misquoted that, you know, misunderstood that quote too, and took it to heart. A lot of people do, and that's why I think it's just a useless quote. Thanks, Dan, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I mean, if you want to label something as the root of all evil, how about uh, how about the the search for power? I mean, that's kind of the root of some evil. Is it all evil? I don't know, but it's. I, I would say that uh, the, lust, the love and the lust for power is more likely to be the root of evil than the love of money. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I really like money personally, and I, I like to save it. I like to spend it. I, what is it they I feel say? like I have a pretty healthy attitude about it. You work at a restaurant uh, during the day for your real job, uh, and one of their, uh, oh, one yes. of their quotes I've is actually, profits... It's, it's, Provide possibility. It's profits provide possibility, and it's actually not one of our quotes. It's one of the like mission statements. Yeah. And I teach a like a training orientation class for when people start, and we have to go in detail and explain uh, each what each one of our mission statements means. And I love explaining that one because people just don't understand. Because people just don't understand it. 
I feel like I can put it into words that people understand, though. I feel like I can do so better than any other manager there because of my personal philosophy. Yes. But I, I, I don't know. It People just are, I feel like most people just respond to things in such an emotional manner. Mm-hmm. And, and people just naturally can't help but feel a little jealous, maybe, that some people have more money than they do. Sure. And they, they react and then they try to make all kinds of justifications for it. But. Really, maybe it's time for you to take some responsibility and actually learn something about making money and saving money and and get a healthier attitude about it. Absolutely. And the first thing you need to change is your attitude, uh, because if you believe that uh, the love of money is the root of all evil or that money is uh, is bad or that having money is is wrong, uh, then you're never going to really feel comfortable with having it. And you might always be impoverished uh, in your whole life. So start changing your attitude about it right now. Start thinking about all of the possibilities that having more money in your life would be able to allow you. And I think most people secretly probably would like to have more money in their lives, even those that tell themselves right. that it's, e- it's evil or wrong to have money. That's like when you see the people with the the buy local or the like be- evil Walmart stickers mm-hmm. in the Walmart parking lot, you know, <laughs> like these people who, who complain about money and say money's the root of all evil. You're telling me if I offered you a million dollars right now, you would say no. Okay. I believe that. <laughs> Toll free number 800-259-9231. Uh, let's continue and talk to Bill listening to WXNT in Indianapolis. You're on free talk live. Hey, Bill. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me take the sarcastic side. Mm-hmm. And say why? Why are we missing this opportunity to march into Iran and and and, and you know put our puppet in there? Uh, but why are we missing this opportunity? Well, well I'm yeah, not, I, we I'm not be interested. taking this country over. I'm not so, interested in in any of that. Personally. Well, I think we should. I think we should take that country over. And this 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 North Korea. Why don't we all go over there and invade them and take those dismantle do, those nuclear weapons? Do I detect sarcasm? Is that sarcasm? Is, I don't know. Is is that sarcasm, Bill? It sounds like it. I think you're. Well, I think you're right. I mean, if you're being sarcastic, uh, I mean, why not invade every country in the world where there's a dictator and take it over and force the people that are that are there to have your political system? I mean, that's what happened in in Iraq, right? So why not do it everywhere? It's a good question. Why not? Yeah, well, don't you military people out there want to defend my freedoms? Freedoms. <laughs> Thanks for the call tonight, Bill. Hour three is coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the uh, SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Julia. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site 
They're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Going to go right into your phone calls. That is the point of the show. If you've never heard Free Talk Live before, we mean it when we say you can call in about anything. So give it a shot at 800-259-9231. Let's start things out by talking to, I believe we have Lloyd on the line, listening to WFLA in Florida. Lloyd, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Lloyd, you got to turn down your radio a little bit there. Go ahead. Hello. Yes, sir, you're on the air. Fine. How are you doing? Just, it's good to talk to you again. Just super, Lloyd. What's on your mind today? I love your program. Thanks, Lloyd. Uh, I wanted to mention something about this free enterprise and, 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 and a money situation that people keep talking about, root of all evil and stuff. There's no such thing. First off, we are not a free enterprise nation here. Not even close. We're not close. We have more socialist ways mixed in our government than we have free enterprise. Well, no, no, let's original. be honest, Lloyd. It's it's like social fasc- socio-fascism. There's socialism and fascism all mixed into one. That's it. And uh, when our government first started, when our country first started, it was not based on this. We have changed over the years because of the real left-wingers. And it's been getting worse and worse, and it's going to get worse yet. We well, got, now, would you, would you hold on, hold on, Lloyd. Now, I want to hold your feet to the flames here. Would you describe George W. Bush as a left-winger? George W. Bush is a little bit too far left to be. He's not a real good conservative. Yeah, see, the problem He's is got, I don't even know what left and right and conservative and liberal even really mean. I mean, there's no principles, well, there's no adherence to any kind of uh, consistency uh, with those people, whether they're on the left or the right, whatever that even means, or moderates. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing to, there's no way to define in any way uh, what those concepts are really all about. Uh, I, I'm not going to place any of the blame for this on just the left or the right. I think they're both, uh, they're both to blame, and I think they're really just two sides of the same coin, and that is the big uh, intrusive state. Uh, they, uh, whether they're on, you know, if they're typically, and I'm being very general here, the people on the right uh, want to get the state involved in your, your personal life. Uh, they want to tell you how to live your life, uh, what morals you should hold, that kind of thing. And the people on the left tend to want to get the state involved in your, in your pocketbook. Uh, and I'm being very general here, but either way, they've, all, they've both been kind of working together hand in hand over the decades to increase the intrusiveness and the size and the, the, uh, the, the strength, the outrageousness of uh, of the government. So I place the blame at everybody that's been in Washington D.C., not one side or the other. No, I don't either. I, I place on all of them. Okay. But with the government involved so much, <coughs> business can't flourish. Absolutely. Every Free single enterprise can't flourish. Every single regulation and, and, and with, tax. Uh, to give you a good example, when in in the, in the early Last century, when Henry Ford started up Ford Motor Company and he invented the assembly line, cars were already being made. But he wanted to make a family car and make it inexpensive. And he was doing it by hand. But when he came up with the assembly line, cutting that assembly line... Uh-oh. Mass produced. Lloyd, we lost you there. What about the assembly line? Go ahead, say that again. When Henry Ford... Uh, finally come up with the idea of the assembly line, putting workers making this and the next workers putting this piece together, that piece together, the mm-hmm. car come out at the end as a finished product. He became became mass producing. <clears throat> and he built cars cheap. The average car back then 
cost three times as much as what you could buy a Ford for. Mm -hmm. It was being manufactured because they was being done by hand. Right. And uh, he, he, you know, but he, him and his thinking, he, he started mass producing. And then everything after that was based on mass producing, mass producing when they came to manufacturing. That's how we got into so many manufacturing. Lloyd, we're losing you, man. I'm sorry, I got to let you go, but I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Certainly, uh, the marketplace has come up with some uh, some wonderful innovations over time. And even though uh, Henry Ford himself was a socialist, uh, he deserves credit where credit was due. And mass production is certainly a very valuable, uh, very valuable tool for the marketplace. Uh, but uh, but I definitely back up what Lloyd was saying about how it is that the government is an impediment to business. If uh, you know if government had come in, if at the the time of Henry Ford, if his competitors had had more influence within the government at that time, they could have come uh, come in there and and shut down Henry Ford. They could have had some law passed about how uh, mass production is not, is uh, it's anti-competitive because you know the existing businesses didn't have that ability, and so therefore it wasn't fair for uh, Ford to be in in the business uh, doing. Mass Mass production, so therefore it's anti-competitive. So shut it down. What would that have done? What would that have uh, done to the automotive industry over time if we'd never had that particular innovation? What would it have done to the rest of industry if uh, mass production had had never come out? Because government, by stepping in, government getting involved in creating rules and regulations and taxes and things like that, just makes more and more hoops for the business uh, business owner to jump through in order to bring his product or service to the marketplace. And eventually, if you keep putting up those hoops, if you keep creating new rules and regulations. A lot of people are just going to say, screw it. I'm not going to bother. Why should I bother with jumping through all these hoops? It's not worth it to me. I'm, it's, not I'm, to mention all the money that's involved. What, what do you mean? Well, I mean, can you imagine how much it costs to get into the business of building cars? I mean, you yeah. have to have a lot of money to put down on something like that. Just, to, just without all the regulations, you'd have to have a lot of money. Now, with all the regulations that are piled on top of the business, you have to have even more money in order to get in. Is and that when, what you're saying? When you start really, yeah, and when you start really thinking about that, like if you take the example of cars, for example, that's just one example, and you say, okay, if, you know, back in, back in the day when... Uh, John Ford was trying to create this car if we'd had the amount of rules and regulations and the size of government back then, where would the car be today? If you think about today, how much we've lost in production value since governments have been around since the beginning of time. It, it's, it's incalculable. It's, yeah, it's it's actually kind of depressing to think about. So, Well, Dr. Mary Ruart in her book Healing Our World does a little bit of uh, number crunching on what kind of wealth we could have, not taking into fact all of what we've lost, all of the missed opportunities over the last hundred years, for instance, that we don't know, you know, the unseen, basically, the things that we can't really even fathom that we might be having right now if it weren't for the government regulations. Uh, but she just kind of took a look at how much more wealthy we could all be within the next few years if the government would uh, would scale back its operations or, of course, in my fantasy world, be eliminated completely. We could all be uh, eight times more wealthy than we currently are in a relatively short order uh, in the absence of these governmental uh, taxes and, and rules and regulations. Let's continue, though, with your calls about what you want. It is, I believe we have uh, Joe in uh, in Georgia listening to WS. No, Joe is gone. I don't know who we have here. Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, I wasn't ready that fast. Oh, well, uh, here you are. Hey, can you, can you guys hear me okay? Yes, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I wanted to update you on the uh, New Hampshire Tea Party that's coming up on uh, June 24th. Have you guys been reporting on that at all? No, I have not heard much about it. June 24th? Yeah, that's correct. That's the day that the House 
uh, this, the New Hampshire State House votes on a new budget. Now, is this going to be? And a, they're a, going. Is this, they're, people are going to be coming out to uh, to oppose the new budget and oppose, you know, any spending and taxes that are involved. So, are is you, Dave? Is this going to be tied into a national Tea Party thing like the last ones uh, were, or is this kind of just a New Hampshire only thing? Well, I mean, I think there's a connection. It's going to be probably a lot of the same people. What they said at the last one, which was more national, it was April 15th was the last Tea Party in New Hampshire. And that was pretty big. I think it was, you know, roughly 1,000 to 1,800 people from being there. And they said one of the speakers, I think, had a great thing to say. He goes, you know what? This doesn't really do much by itself. But if you go out and find a couple friends and come back with you and your friends and the next one is bigger, uh, then, then the next one's bigger after that, then it really will start to have more of an impact. Yeah, I tend so, to um, agree that generally um, rallies, demonstrations, protests, they themselves don't tend to do very much, but I think they can lead to more, and I think that's where you're, where you're coming from there. So, for instance, if you grow the, the amount of people that are there, people start to meet one another, there's a networking aspect, uh, they get to know each other, that can, can sort of spurn more growth as far as activism is concerned. And, you know, to some extent, having a loud group of People out in front of uh, any state house around the country uh, trying to influence those politicians, I think, is somewhat influential because these politicians, for the most part, want to be liked by everybody. And so if they feel like they're uh, being hated for some reason, they might be concerned as to why and, and look into it. Dave, thanks for the call. More on the way here. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the program. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Julia. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features, including the, the mobile site, which is, yeah, it's not really detailed, but it will allow you to listen to the show online through your smartphone. If you have such a thing, as I do, and they're very handy, you can go to m.freetalklive.com, as in m is in mobile. m.freetalklive.com will take you to our mobile website for those of you with smartphones. All right, let's continue taking your calls and talk to Charlie, who has been waiting patiently in somewhere. Charlie, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ian and Julia, what's going on? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Charlie? Well, um, I I'm I wanted to attend Porkfest. I'm not going to be able to make it this year, oh, but I'm, bummer. I will be I will be heading up next year. Excellent. And uh, what, what I was wondering is, what is uh, are there any uh, unlicensed tattooists? Because I really wanted to get my first tattoo, and I really want it to be illegal. Well, that's it's interesting that you ask that question. Uh, you're talking about the Porcupine Freedom Festival happening uh, next week, actually, the 25th through the 28th up here in New Hampshire. Uh, it's going to be a Free State Project event where hundreds of like-minded, liberty-minded people getting together and socializing and having fun and doing all kinds of uh, activities. And it is my understanding that an unlicensed, or rather a licensed tattoo artist, will be performing unlicensed tattoos. I believe she's licensed in uh, New Jersey, which is right. the state in which she lives, but not in, in, in New Hampshire, and she and certainly won't be New licensed. New Hampshire has some really draconian tattoo laws. Really? So there's a chance there could be a raid then on this uh, unlicensed tattoo? They are, they, it's child endangerment. 
for anyone under 18 to get a tattoo in New Hampshire. No, no parent permission, nothing, which in a lot of states, like Massachusetts, for example, you can get a tattoo with your so, parents' permission at 16, I think. So you're saying if a parent brings a young person into a tattooist, they just, even with total consent it's of both the parents, law. it's it child endangerment. So there could be very, well, all kinds of a uh, manner of civil disobedience going on. I mean, at uh, at this year's Porcupine Freedom Festival, not just tattooing, but there may be some other uh, law breaking going on. You never know what's going to happen when you get hundreds of people together that believe in freedom and really could care less about what the government laws say. So yes, uh, unlicensed tattoos, illegal tattoos will be available this year, at least until they're you know until the police raid the the, the campground. Well, all I gotta say is, if I get arrested for getting a tattoo, that's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, you're excited uh, about that? Oh, absolutely! I would <laughs> love, I would love to talk about liberty with the prisoners up there in Keene. Well, I have to say that first of all, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is happening in Lancaster, so if you go to jail, you're oh. likely gonna be up in the northern part of the state. Uh, but also, it's it's probably going to be the case that if there is some sort of police activity surrounding this, and and there may very well be, it's being advertised publicly. I mean, we're talking about it here. It's on uh, the internet forums over at nhfree.com. Uh, so there is a very good chance that if they wanted to do something mean, they could come up and do it. But uh, odds are good that the clients are probably not going to be arrested. It's most likely going to be the tattooist herself that would be taking the greatest risk. And, uh, and so, so to her, I say thank you for having such courage. I, for one, I like the idea of getting a legal tattoo, but I've never had a tattoo before. And I feel like... Uh, if you don't know exactly what you want, you shouldn't get it, and I still don't I, know what I want. You know, that's it's a real shame because I do have a tattoo, and I plan on getting more tattoos, and I really like tattoos. Um, and I have some really specific plans for some pretty detailed work I want done, and that's not the kind of thing I want to get done um, on a whim, like just for an illegal tattoo. But I really want an illegal tattoo, so I'm sort of torn. I've been trying to think of like something small I could get just to say, like, all right, this is my illegal tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I, but I'm, I feel the same way. Like I'm so, I don't believe really in getting tattoos unless you really know exactly what you want. Cause I think it's kind of silly to go out on a whim and get a tattoo, at least for me personally. So I'm pretty torn. So if anyone has, I, I don't know, what a do you think I should do? Should I get a tat- an illegal tattoo just to get an illegal tattoo? A small one? Or, it may be the only chance. Or should I wait? I don't know. Maybe it will, will it happen next year? Is this the only chance? I don't know. Charlie, thanks for the call, and uh, we'll see you when we see you at Porkfest, if not this year, the next, because Free Talk Libra tends to broadcast from Porkfest every single year. Porkfest.com is the website if you want to learn more, and join us next week, uh, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, Porkfest.com. Let's continue taking your calls about what you want. Kenny in Florida, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hello, Kenny. Hello, guys. How are you? Hey, Kenny. What's on your mind tonight? Okay, I have a couple of things on my mind, or, or just rather, I just want to tell you about the first. Um, when I was in high school, I went to Mainland High School. It's the same high school Vince Carter went to, blah, blah, blah. And I dropped out because I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't really see the point. Um, and across the street, there was a community college, and they offered a high school program. And so I went there. But it wasn't like the traditional school where you had a teacher in front of the class, you had to sit down, you had to shut up. You could only talk when you um, raised the hand. Mm-hmm. And everything was self-paced. They gave you the book, they gave you the, I guess they would call it the syllabus, and you just did the work. You went as fast as you wanted. I did and, something like that. Yeah, it, it was fun, man. It was, it was the best decision I've made in my life, um, in my opinion. I just wish colleges were like that also. 
Great point. Uh, there are, I believe, some colleges that are that way. I, I don't know. I don't know if Phoenix is one of them. There's there are, there are certain online colleges that I believe are structured in in similar fashion. I'm not an expert on such things. So what I might recommend that you do is head over to like the Free Talk Live BBS uh, bbs.freetalklive.com and post your thoughts there. And maybe somebody who has more experience with this kind of thing can uh, can respond to you. Or certainly they've got another half hour of the show here. They're certainly welcome to call in and and. Maybe Maybe suggest something, but there are alternative uh, sorts of education out there in the college realm. I just, off the top of my head, uh, don't know what they are. Julia, did you have a positive experience with that kind of learning? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I I thought you were talking about high school, right? Was that or were you talking he about was, college? Right? Oh, yeah, you were talking oh, about high yeah, school. Uh, that's how I graduated from high school, I, and I just wish that there was more colleges like that. Yeah, that's how I did a little bit of my high school. I actually ended up moving, and they did not have the same program at the new college that I went to for high school, so I just got my GED. But I got expelled from public high school, and when I got expelled, I um, You're such a badass. I know, I know, and <laughs> it's it's for like a bomb threat too. No, I didn't really threaten anybody. I was never never believed that that was that was a good thing, but. I got caught up in the whole Columbine thing. I got expelled from my high school, and basically they tried to put me in a, like a state alternative school for bad kids. And my <laughs> Julia, parents, Little Miss Columbine, yeah, would not. My parents were not not okay with that. So I found the opportunity to go to this community college that offered high school credits, and you went in and you sat down, and they gave you a list of all your assignments, and you did it as fast as you wanted. Right. And it was really awesome. Self-paced, self-taught. Yeah, uh, plus you, we could right. sit outside on the patio and smoke weed, and the principal didn't care right. at all. So <laughs> it was that. awesome. It was yeah. a great high school experience. You can learn and have fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the teachers are real cool. They, you yeah. know, if you need help, they're there to help you and everything, but they're not there to, to get on your nerves. Right. I they don't that. lecture. They just sit up front and let you come to them. That's great because yeah. in the government's uh, one size fits all school system that they that they force most people to uh, to attend, you are slowed down to the lowest common denominator. If you're in a class right. where there's somebody that just doesn't get it, uh, the teacher has to basically well, put everybody else's learning on hold while they work with going over whatever that material is for the the people that just are not picking hello. it up quickly enough. Go ahead, Larry. Hello. You're still there. Or not, Larry. Excuse me. Uh, are you there, sir? We hear you. Kenny. Kenny's gone. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Bizarro phone problems. All right. Uh, we'll continue here. There is a Larry on the line. We'll talk to him. 800-259-9231. And your calls as well about whatever you want. Maybe you've got a suggestion uh, for, I believe it was Kenny. Or whoever the hell it was. Anyway, that nice gentleman that was on the phone there, if you've got a suggestion for him as far as where he could go to a, have a college that uh, would treat him that way with a self-taught kind of uh, learn-at-your-own-pace thing, dial in. It's Free Talk Live. Are you an active free stater living in New Hampshire? Are you and your family moving to New Hampshire in the near future? A new web series about the Free State Project is currently casting. Interested? Send us a short video about yourself. Tell us what you're doing or planning on doing to achieve liberty in your lifetime. Show us what makes you interesting. Upload your video to YouTube and send the link to fspwebseries at gmail.com. Don't have a video camera? Ask about other submission options. fspwebseries at gmail.com.
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features on the site and we give them all to you. And if you've got one of those fancy Facebook accounts, you might want to know about our Facebook fan page, facebook.freetalklive.com. We'll get you right to it. Uh, that's facebook.freetalklive.com. Now then, audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. We're talking about audiobooks here. They've got over 60,000 titles from which to choose. Every genre, Audible has it covered. You can get your free audiobook download when you sign up today if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL to get your free audiobook. Our number here is 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to your phone calls about anything. That is the point of the show. Jeremy is in Rhode Island, and you're on the amp line. Hey, Jeremy, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, Well, I want to say I'm going up to Porkfest. I went up to the Liberty Forum, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Excellent. But um, I wanted to talk about – I was watching the CBS Evening News, and they were talking about the situation in Iran. Okay. Um, There's a lot of protests going on with people who feel that the government – is lying about who won the election. Yes. Um, and they're they're using batons and spraying them with water and whatnot. The government's doing that to people. Mm-hmm. And what the reporter said was, "quote It's estimated today's crowd was two to three two to three thousand strong, but many young people who wanted to join were turned back by police before they could get anywhere close. Eventually, the threat of more violence forced the protesters to retreat and scatter." But it was a remarkable show of defiance. It, it, to me, it's just funny because they can see the violence in other governments. When other governments do it, it's bad. Sure. You know, and it's a show of defiance. But if there were protests here and that was going on, would it be a show of defiance? You know, when you had the, the protesters against the World Trade Organization, you know, uh, yeah, they were they, not describing it in those terms. They definitely take uh-huh. a different tact when it comes to their own government. And I think the most... I think the most explicit uh, version of what you're talking about happened recently with our friend Sam Dodson, who is a a co-host on this show uh, many times, at least once a week. And uh, he is a documentarian, a filmmaker at uh, ObscuredTruth.net, ObscuredTruth.com, excuse me. And uh, he was arrested for videotaping in a public court lobby and held in a jail cell for two months. So he was held longer than the the reporter that was arrested in Iran was held. Uh, and nobody, I mean, it was virtually uncovered here by the media. They, the, yes, it was. It did appear in the Boston Globe. Yes, uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano on his show Freedom Watch did cover it. So it did give break in a little bit into the mainstream, but just barely. Whereas the uh, the woman that was a, 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 a arrested in Iran for being a reporter. She was covered in hundreds of American publications. Uh, it was such a disparity, and it made it so obvious that uh, you know they are not paying attention to the tyranny that's happening right underneath their their own eyes. Jeremy, any other thoughts? No, that's all. Thanks for, Thanks the call. for uh, Appreciate taking it. the call. Yes, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Jeff, listening to WCHV in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live, Jeff. Good evening, sir. How are you doing? This hey, evening? what's on your mind tonight? Um, actually, I'm a disabled vet. I uh, fought in Panama, and I fought in the first Gulf War, and I did three tours in Iraq until finally in my last tour I I forgot to duck, and I, 
I can't work that way anymore. Oh my! And, Sorry to hear that. Um, I, I really appreciate your show. I I really encourage you know uh, dissenting views, getting together and talking about things. I think that's what makes our country great. Excellent. And when uh, somebody came on earlier this evening and was being a little bit facetious about us going in and invading Iran and and things like that, and you were like, you know, I, I hear a little sarcasm in your voice and things like that. Yes. Um, you know, I really don't. I've actually been up on the Iranian border up near Sulaimaniyah and things like that, and I've, like, as I said, I've, I've been on the ground in Iraq, and I can tell you that the few different times, my last time I was there for 18 months, um, the people there really appreciate us being there and trying to, to help them out, but that's a different discussion. Uh, yeah, I've heard that st- I've heard that claim a lot, and I think that's fine. I believe that you believe that's true. I don't know if it's true for all the people there, and I don't really know if that matters to me. It doesn't matter to me if 91% of the people or 99% of the people say they want uh, the American military there. I am not interested in funding that kind of thing, and so it is my freedoms that are being infringed upon. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, I I agree with our ability to disagree. But well, for, you agree oh, with well. Oh, hold on a second. Do you, while you agree with my ability to disagree with you, you do you also agree that I should remain a free person and be able to disagree? Yeah, I of course. So therefore, I, you know, I should be able to not inside, pay taxes inside our country. Okay. So I should be able um, to not pay federal uh, income tax and not have to worry about going to jail, right? I'm sorry. Could you say that again? You broke up. A so if I'm free time. to disagree then that means I should also be free to disagree by withholding my money from the, the people that I disagree with, right? Like the federal government, like not paying them. I should also be yeah, free to do well, that. You have to obey the laws of the land, and you have, oh. to do everything. Now, now you have to do everything within a peaceable means to try to correct that. And then when you feel that you have tried everything in your power to correct that, but the government and the powers that be are neglecting you, then you have the right to protest, to stand up, and actually fight for your rights. Do I? And do I, will, I do so I, you only gain that right after you've gone through the system? It's not a right that you inherently have? I think you have to practice everything within the law first. And then but wait a minute, wait a minute. What if I don't consent to the law? What if I don't consent to the system? Well, what if then I don't, you try to go through the political process first. But I don't, I, I don't consent to that. I'm not interested in that. I'm not I'm not interested, Jeff. You see, I don't want to force you to do anything. I don't want to tell you that you have to fund my pet projects. And similarly, I don't want you and your friends telling me that I have to fund your pet projects. And well, I'm not I, I interested in going entirely. I mean, if I really cared a whole great deal about the uh, mating habits of the CT fly, mm-hmm. then um, I would go out and research it on my own, and I wouldn't uh, want the federal government to spend uh, millions of dollars on it while we're in a political crisis. And since that's, if, if my representative in the House and the Senate or the, my president decided to spend the money that way, then the next time things came around, I would work to my utmost to change that. But and if, if you failed, take away my God-given And if you failed, Jeff, if let's say yeah. you worked to your utmost and tried to get your so-called representative to actually represent you, can good I, luck to that. Can I, can I use something? I'm, I'm, forgive me for interrupting. Go ahead. But my wife, before I met her, um, I was a soldier for a long time, and my wife was a nurse. I got out of the army, became a professional fireman. I wanted to do something safer with my time, and then I went back into the army. And my wife really didn't. Uh, practice her political uh, rights, her her, uh, her charter. 
um, to her utmost until she really met me. And then when a, uh, we were, I supported President um, uh, Bush, and I, uh, I, I supported McCain because I didn't see anything better at the time. But then when Pre- President Obama got elected, okay, I would have him on the TV, and I'd be listening to him all the time and stuff like that. And my wife would be really angry at me for listening to him. I was like, now, wait a minute. Our political process has worked. We've worked had a non what? we've worked had a at... nonviolent overthrow of the government. So now I need to listen to this man to see what he wants to do with the government so I can be an informed citizen. The government in itself is violence. The government is inherently violent. You cannot get away from the fact that government is violence. And it is not my system. See that's where that's where this see, that's, conversation that's where is breaking down. That's when you get to the Hobbesian theory about things, sir. The whole world is a state of nature, and the world is more violent if we didn't have government. Oh, that I will disagree vehemently. I I could. I'm just saying this because I feel like it's true. I'm pretty sure you can confirm or deny this, but have has governments across the world not been the number one murderer ever? Absolutely, millions, millions of people, sir, were exterminated. Hold on, I'm going to bring you back, Jeff. I want to give you. I'm going to bring bring you back. Give you a fair shake. We'll we'll keep this discussion going here, but. Uh, in the 20th century alone, uh, the number one killer of people around the world were the governments of uh, of the world. And America killed plenty of people, too, so don't say America was all innocent in that. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call. If you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away. Now, if you like the show and you want to help promote Free Talk Live, get us into more ears around the world. We've got a website, a page on our website, rather, that makes it very easy. You just go to promote.freetalklive.com. You get a whole list of things that you can do, everything from flyering your local area uh, to calling your local talk stations and more. All the, the list is all there. Most of them are completely free. Promote.freetalklive.com. We are going to continue with your calls, and I believe Jeff is still with us listening to WCHV uh, FM in Charlottesville. Jeff, welcome back to Free Talk Live. Are you still there, sir? Yes, sir, I am. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, as Julia pointed out during the break, uh, you have said a number of cliches, and I want to make sure that we have a chance to address at least some of them here, and I want to start... I should also yes. preface that by saying that I was in your shoes, man. I used to think these cliches and really believe these cliches, sure. because that's what okay. I grew up thinking. Didn't we all? And that's can what I, I was taught. Can I say something now? Go ahead. You said, okay, um, I'm 47 years old. I've fought in three wars. I've spent three tours in Iraq. Um, I'm I was I'm pretty much the most blunt man you will ever want to meet. I'll tell you exactly what I think about exactly what I see. If I think it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. Um, as far as the cliches, a cliche is something that someone spouts off because they don't have the knowledge to back it up. I've walked the walk. I've talked the talk. I've been on the dirt, um, and so I take slightly a little bit of offense about you saying that I'm repeating cliches. Let's talk about um, one of them then. Let's talk about the uh, the one that you claimed that uh, it's the government that prevents violence around the world. Is that essentially what you I, said? Okay, that, you want me to say what? Okay, good. That's great. If we lived in a, the Hobbesian uh, ideal of the state of nature and, and the social contracts of man, yes, 
Governments are the most violent things in the world. Uh, they use war, they use death, they use violence to um, propagate their their needs, their wants. Okay, and yes, we we fought wars that were wrong. I mean, dude, I fought in the Republic of Panama to go capture a sovereign na- leader of a nation to bring him to our country and prosecute him under our laws. Are you embarrassed about that? No, sir. I was a soldier. I you don't swore regret that? to follow the orders of my commander-in-chief. Didn't you also swear to uphold the Constitution? I also did. But you know something? I was in the Republic of Panama when Manuel Noriega hijacked three busloads of school children. Sure, and sure. There's always an excuse. Point. There's always an excuse to break the Constitution, isn't there, Jeff? You know, I tell you what. If I walked into your house and I put my gun to your chi- child's head, um, I would see you being able to use whatever means necessary. That's nice in uh, in that's nice in concept. Unfortunately, if you are the uh, the raiding party that uh, took and, and put a gun to the head of the people that were hold, that were taking care of Elian Gonzalez, uh, they would end up dead if they tried to use uh, force to defend themselves. You and you would have shot I'm them. Not say, you know, some sir, I'm not saying it's a perfect system. Sure, I'm sure. I'm not saying it's a perfect system. Not. But Manuel Noriega. Did do wrong. Sure, always an excuse. When, See, the the problem but is two though, wrongs. I, I'm going to say a cliche here, and that is yeah. two wrongs don't make a right. Right, and the wrong that she's talking about there, Jeff, yes, is that right. that you said earlier that I was free to disagree with you, but then yeah. we went on to find out that I'm actually not free to disagree and withhold my money from you. Oh, See, sure, if, no, no. I if you want to not pay your your uh, your income tax, and you know something. I believe that the federal income tax is an illegal tax. It was brought about during the Civil War to help pay for the Civil War. It violates the Constitution of the United States. And if we, as a people, stand up and try to uh, do away with that in all legal manners, and then the federal government doesn't listen to us, and we take up arms against the government... I'll support that. Those are not, that does not, look, I am not interested in taking up arms against the government. I'm a peaceful individual. I just want to live my life as a free man. I don't want to kill anybody over this. And I just want to be able to live free and not have to pay a bunch of gangsters to go around the world and kill people in my name. I'm not interested in supporting that. But the fact is that if you're working for your federal government that you've worked for so often, and they order you to come and take me and put me in a jail cell because I've decided to not pay them for their aggression then you will follow those orders, won't you? I'd like to point um, out... You know, I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Now that I'm a civilian now, and I, and I live in a different world, and if someone came up to me and told me that they were going to... I had to go... Let's say I was a soldier, and I had to go into my neighbor's house and take his guns. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't relinquish those guns to me, I would have to kill him or put him in jail. I do not know if I could follow those orders. I... I've gone out and fought against people that were trying to kill kids. I've gone out and fought against people that invaded other people's nations. As far as coming inside my own borders, and the Constitution of the United States only deals with inside the borders of the United States. The Constitution actually only deals with the... Sir, if I had to come into your house and put a gun to your head and tell you to pay taxes, I don't know if I could do it. Well, I, I you bet you some right of your co-workers would have. What, let's get an, an honest answer from you. I mean, you worked with some of the people in the military for a while. How do you feel about the rest of them? Would they the follow the those military? orders? The guys in the military? Yeah. Oh, sir, I've never... I mean, it's just like anything else in the whole wide world. It's a conglomeration of people from all over the world. I've met some of the best and some of the worst. But so the answer is the some best. of them would. 
right? Some of them would so, go in and take people's guns and stuff like that, right? Yeah, they'd follow the orders. You have to sure. follow the orders of your commander. No, you don't. Uh, and in fact, if you well, actually... you know something. I, I, you know something. You're right. I stand corrected. If it is an illegal order, if you walked up to me and said, "Look, I have to put a gun to that lady's head right there to make you give me intelligence," and if you don't give me that intelligence, I will kill her. That's an illegal order. I do not have to follow that order. Wasn't it also an illegal order to go to Panama in the first place? No, sir. Why not? Did they declare war? It was a police action, sir. Oh, a police action. See, that's what government is so so great at. They just have to put a new label on uh, something, and then all of a sudden maker, it's legal, sir. right? I'm not a policymaker. I thought that the military wasn't a policing force. I agree with you wholeheartly. I say I think the military. <laughs> but you went and invaded Panama. It's I okay. We've all made mistakes. It's okay to admit I, that you made a mistake. It's all right. No, I, I I'll forgive you. I did not make a mistake. I've been in a witch house. I've been in a witch house when I kicked in the door and went and found this person. And they had body parts of little children in the refrigerator. I think that person needed to be brought to the to justice. Did, did um, you well, have anything else I, you wanted to jump in here with Julia? Because you know what I, I really wanted to bring up. When, in regards to what you said a few minutes ago about, about the income tax, is you said that you thought that it was okay if I didn't pay my income tax because you believe that it's an unjust law or, or it's not legal. And, and I, what I think I'm trying to point out here is that we're on two different paradigms maybe because I'm not willing to argue. I don't care whether or not it's a law. What I am arguing about is the morality of the law in the first place and whether or not and you it's... have a responsibility to stand up and try. Ha- to have you ever tried that, sir? I ran for city council at 22 years old um, in, in my town here. Have you ever done anything like that? Because it's really quite a process. It's awful. It's a horrible. Yeah, it, it is. You know something? If you stand, I live in, I live in Charlottesville, one of the most liberal and, and, and Democrat-seated towns in the world, um, I don't, not in the world, in the country, I, I, I don't exactly share the same views. But if I wasn't willing, willing to stand up and, and, and take the risk to be labeled as one of those nutcases that stands on the side of the road with a sign and things like that, you know, we, we've all become so conditioned through media, through conditioning in school, through just life in general, to not fight City Hall. And that's what <laughs> we as a people have to fight. No, I, I disagree to... with you, Jeff. I'm done fighting. See, I've tried the politics game, and I've uh, I've run a campaign. Right. I've run a few campaigns in my time, the... and uh, and I've do- I'm done with it, and I don't have a responsibility. Just because you say I have a responsibility, that's part of the brainwashing you're talking well, about. You, they you have, they have indoctrinated you to believe that you have some obligation to this system that they but force sir, upon you, and we don't. Sir, if you decide to quit, that's your decision. If you decide to quit and not fight against what no, you don't No, you don't understand. In. You don't understand what I'm saying, Jeff. I haven't quit. I've quit participating in an immoral system, but I haven't quit standing up for liberty. I went to jail because of my beliefs last year. I went and yeah, uh, sat I'm, in a I'm, jail I'm, cell, sir. I will be honest with you, sir. This is the first time I've had the opportunity to listen to your show, and I've really enjoyed it. Well, welcome. I've I have to really, say welcome really to the show. It. It's been a good conversation. I think we've kept it civil, and I, I hope you'll call us back. We're on every Saturday night there uh, in oh. Charlottesville. So join us again. Oh, Thank you for the call tonight. We're out of time at, at this point. I've got to get Tommy in here quickly. Tommy, you've got the last... Uh, a few words. Go ahead. Hey, how are you guys? You got about 20 seconds, so go quick. Oh, I just want to say it's my first time listening. I love the show. This last caller is a little bit, you know, on every angle, and he really doesn't know where he wants to land. 
I think you don't need to stand up and fight a government where you would lose in that battle. Mm-hmm. You just need to change your process of thinking. Absolutely. You know, all of this comes from, you know, we're shit that needs to buy their product for them to su- survive. I wish we if had more time, Tommy. Call us next week. Of- Call us next week. We're out of time. It's been Ian here with you. And Julia. I'm done fighting. I'm going to move on and live free. And if they want to fight me, that's their choice. We'll see you Monday night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Get on the ground, mother You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to Child Protective Services. You're busted for possession of marijuana. Hi, I'm Barry Cooper, ex-narcotics officer trained by the DEA. My DVD, Never Get Busted, has recently received world attention. I switched sides and I'm now touring America with the message to end this war on people that has been labeled the war on drugs. Go to Barry's website, NeverGetBusted.com, and order your DVD to Never Get Busted. On it, I'll teach you secret drug enforcement tactics and how to avoid narcotics profiling, how to conceal your stash, and I'll teach you how to fool drug dogs every time. I'll teach you how police know when you're lying, you'll get to go on patrol with me and watch actual marijuana arrest on the highway and learn the mistakes citizens made that landed them in jail. Go to NeverGetBusted.com and arm yourself with the information you need so you'll never have to hear these words. Get on the ground, mother You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to jail. Log on to NeverGetBusted.com.